JJ woke in an unfamiliar room. Vera's laboratory. For a moment, their heads swam. Then they remembered. The club. They'd lost it. No. JJ had not lost judging your cover. It had been stolen by the dirtiest no-good scumbag in all of Locke. <sighs> they could not believe they'd harbored a crush on Harlow Jones back in his boxing days. Blech. JJ levered themselves off the cot. They frowned, first at the fading daylight, then at the room. Where had all the cousins gone? JJ squinted at a crate of leather-bound books. The famous Reeves family recipes. Surely Vera wouldn't begrudge a friend one little peek. JJ picked up the nearest volume just as a voice drifted up the stairwell. Better be worth my while, Reeves, or there's no deal. Harlow, what was that rat doing here? I promise it's all there, answered Rolf, Vera's business partner. Pulse racing, JJ dug through their pockets. They kept a glamour flask handy at all times. It was in their jacket. They snagged the coat and dove behind a bookshelf just as the men entered. Through a crack in the shelf, JJ watched Harlow Jones strut into the lab like he owned it. JJ took a swig of their elixir and blended into the wall. Realm presents Elixir. Episode 8. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Rolf! Vera's voice echoed across the high ceiling bar. She took one step down the spiral staircase. What's going on? Harlow jumped off the stage, sauntered toward her. 
Don't blame your cuz too much. It's easier for everyone this way. We all get what we want. Strangers opened their hidden panels and side doors. A man upended a crate on the stage. The recipe books. Rolf had given Harlow everything. I'm going to be sick. Vera reached the bottom of the steps at the same time Harlow did. She raised her chin. You're nothing but a vulture. <laughs> Let's be honest, Vera. You were going to lose the bar regardless. He pointed at two men near the staff entrance, men in iron shoe uniforms. You were next on the captain's raid tour. It would have been a terrible waste to watch your family history go up in smoke. This way, thanks to your cuz, the bar survives. If she punched Harlow, how long would it take the nearest goon to tackle her? Don't worry, I even paid for the privilege. Rolf can set up somewhere new. I hear Quell is nice this time of year. Vera trembled. Red edged her vision. Vera. Rolf approached, hands extended toward her. It's over. Let it go. First Elsie's betrayal, now this? How could you? What would Dad say if he could see you now? Do you even care? Of course I care. I did this to save you, Vera. Because you're too mule-headed to call it quits. You were going to end up in a cell right alongside Henrik, and I couldn't let that happen. She bristled. Oh. So you stab me in the back, and you style yourself a hero for it. I never wanted this. <laughs> Bullshit. You've been begging me to sell for months. Harlow clapped his hands. She rounded on him. Tell me why, Harlow. Why go to all these lengths just to get my recipes? It can't all be about money. He clicked his tongue. This is why your bar has been bleeding patronage for years, Vera. Truthfully, your elixirs are better than mine. What you don't understand is desire. People don't come to a hush bar for safety. They come because they want a taste of true power. And if it leaves them craving more, all the better. Because that's what people expect power to do. People die from bad batches, she hissed. How could he be so cavalier? They get sick, or they become so desperate they'll sacrifice everything for one more taste. And since I now have a monopoly on the supply, those desperate patrons will pay whatever price I set. This is introductory level business strategy, my dear. At least Rolf had the grace to look nauseated. Vera bared her teeth. Rot in hell, Harlow. Actually, that's what you'll be doing. Harlow snapped his fingers. The two iron shoes she'd glimpsed earlier appeared at her shoulder. Panicked, Vera grabbed her vial of elixir, but the iron shoes were faster. Too fast. They're on speed elixirs. One snatched the vial. The other grabbed Vera's arm and wrenched it behind her back. What are you doing? Rolf rounded on Harlow, fists raised. Before he could move, the second iron shoe caught his arm in a similar hold. This wasn't part of the deal. 
Then Harlow was there, in front of her, drawing a flask from his pocket. She recognized it from her laboratory, a sleep elixir. Vera kicked Harlow's shin. Over Harlow's shoulder, Rolf struggled in his iron shoe's grip. You bastard, you guaranteed her safety. Harlow grinned. Guess I lied. He wrenched her mouth open, tipped the vial down her throat. She gagged, but the iron shoe pinned her upright and Harlow held her chin. The last thing Vera saw, strangely, was a face. It appeared in midair, bodiless, just over Harlow's left shoulder. JJ? Then sleep grabbed Vera's ankles and dragged her into its depths. If Elsie had harbored any illusions that her parents' arrival at the reformist's headquarters shortly after hers was mere coincidence, Mama dispelled them as soon as their carriage jerked into motion. Thank you for finding your sister, Elsabeth, dear. They must have followed her to Lou. But how? Guilt washed over Elsie. She'd ruined everything. She lied to Vera. Now she'd betrayed Lou, too. Elsie nudged her sister's foot. Lou looked up, her face carefully blank. It unsettled Elsie more than a scowl would have. Her hand drifted to her neck. The onyx vial of Curall felt warm near her chest. But the warmth became an ache when Elsie recalled that night in the laboratory, brewing this elixir. Or the next night, her body entwined with Vera's. Vera wanted nothing to do with her anymore. They pulled up to the manor in stony silence. It was not the triumphant homecoming Elsie had envisioned. Mama gestured over her shoulder. Gunner, would you see the girls to their rooms? No use resisting. Gunner's thighs alone were thicker than her torso. Elsie followed him, resigned. The whole way upstairs, she tried to catch Lou's eye, but Lou didn't raise her gaze. Not until they reached Elsie's bedchamber. Finally, Lou looked up. Don't drink anything. With that mystifying advice, Elsie was left alone in her bedroom, latch bolted from the outside. She stared at the bed, the fluffy comforter and cushioned mattress she had missed so dearly. Elsie would give all this decadence up for one moment with Vera. There were so many things she should have said. She strode to her balcony, wrenched its handle, Locked, of course. Her parents had probably redoubled security after their daughter's disappearances. She was about to fling herself dramatically into a pile of pillows when movement on the lawn below caught her eye. Odd. Her bedroom faced the back of the manor, the stables, the ball courts, her mother's strolling gardens. Yet someone was trotting across the greens on horseback. The horse wheeled to a stop at the servant's entrance. Why would a visitor ride up to it? Unless they don't want to be seen coming in the front. Elsie's pulse picked up. The man, at least she assumed a man based on sheer size, dismounted. Both his and the horse's breath came in steaming clouds. Wherever they'd ridden from, they had done it in a hurry. The man knocked on the servant's door. There was something familiar about him. A moment later, the bulb over the entrance flicked on. 
The man's hat concealed his face, but she recognized Papa immediately. The man handed something to her father, a small parcel wrapped in brown paper. Her father tucked it into his coat and went back inside. Before he departed, the man looked up to scan the windows of the house. As he did, a light caught his face. Elsie gasped and stumbled away from the window, heart pounding. It was Harlow. She woke on a hard stone floor. She felt bruises forming on her hip, her shoulder. She rubbed at her side and struggled upright to take stock of her surroundings. She was in a barred cell. Iron, of course. The only light came from a torch flickering outside the cell, which smelled like it ran on fish oil. There was another cell across the way, the mirror of her own, but it was too dark to determine if it was occupied. This did not look like the holding cell of the jail, where she'd gone to buy JJ's temporary freedom. That hadn't been a palace either, but at least it was clean. She squeezed her eyes shut, pictured Rolf's stricken expression when the iron shoes had seized her. She'd told him not to trust Harlow. Behind that betrayal lurked another. Elsie, tears shining in those blue eyes. Let me explain. Now she never could. If nothing else, at least that was a relief. Vera didn't think she could stand to see Elsie again. It would only remind her how blind she'd been, how selfish. A shuffling sound made her lift her head, worried about mice. Instead, she saw motion in the cell across the hall. Vera stood. Hey. The figure shuffled closer to the bars. She did the same. Do you know where we are? Vera whispered. She didn't want to alert any guards. The figure raised its head. The face was unfamiliar. Gaunt, with hollows for eyes, hair and beard matted into ugly lumps. But when he spoke, Vera inhaled sharply. She would know that voice anywhere. We are in the very last place I ever wanted to see you, daughter. I like a story that will take me to extremes. And nothing says extreme quite like The Last City, a new Wondery podcast available now. Set in 2072, the city of Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image, which, given its promise of being a miraculous green haven in a climate-ravaged world, shouldn't be too hard to sell, but things are not always as perfect and shiny as we'd like to believe. When she stumbles upon a dark secret that could lead to the downfall of Pura's existence if revealed, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. 
And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. In protest, Elsie wore pajamas to dinner. The Duchess grimaced when she entered the dining room, which was rewarding. Lou, still wearing that terrible blank expression, settled into her usual seat across from Elsie. Elsie glared daggers at her father's empty chair until the Duke of Thornley finally graced him with his presence. Mama clasped her hands. Isn't this nice? All of us together again? Elsie smiled, all teeth. She waited for her father to pick up his fork. Then, while he was chewing, Elsie leaned over. Did you have a nice chat with Harlow, Papa? He choked so hard his face purpled. Across the table, Lou straightened. She didn't look surprised, just slightly more animated. Elsabet, no business talk at the table. Mama frowned at the Duke. Oh, so it was business. Did you buy something from him, Papa? He gave you a package. Elsabet? Mama warned. That finally roused Lou. Your husband is consorting with the peddler of the most dangerous elixirs in Locke, and your concern is for proper dinner etiquette? That's enough, both of you. Elsie pointed at their father. What about him? I want to know why my father is doing business with an apothecary, if you can even call Harlow that, when he argued to ban elixirs in the first place. Mama picked up her knife and fork, and attacked her steak with rather more enthusiasm than strictly necessary. Your father does not answer to you. He is the head of this household. The Duke arched an eyebrow. Am I? This is hardly the time, Johannes. Lou looked between them. On the contrary, I think it's long past time you both explain how you could betray everything you stand for. Her sister smiled, completely devoid of humor. Our parents, the esteemed Duke and Duchess Thornley, have been working with Harlow for years. Where do you think he got the coin to buy all those other hush bars? Or to bribe his way into the Iron Shoe Captain's pocket? Dread, slick like sweat, coated Elsie's skin. But we, you, hate elixirs. You always said your goal was to rid Locke of elixirs entirely. Neither parent responded. They were carrying on an unspoken argument, conducted entirely in head tilts and narrowed eyes. What our parents say and what our parents do are two very different things, Lou leaned across the table toward Elsie. The ban was just an excuse to get all the competition out of the way. Remember what happened with Mama's parents' silk company? 
Do not talk about things you do not understand, Louise. Mama gestured angrily at a servant to fetch another tray of beverages, as if this were a normal dinner. Elsie's mind raced. They saved up enough coin to operate at a loss, then lowered the price of their own silks. Everyone began to buy only their products. Their competitors dropped their prices too to compete, but no one else had saved up a nest egg, so one by one the other merchants went out of business. Lou nodded grimly. And once every other competing silk company went under, our grandparents were able to sell for however much they pleased. But the council created an anti-monopoly law, right? Elsie asked. So no one else could ever do that again. Lou tapped her nose. No one with a legal business, at least. Elsie's stomach dropped. She thought about JJ and their wondrous club, about Vera and her family, and the elixirs Elsie had seen make people laugh, feel young again, fly. Her parents wanted all the other apothecaries out of business just so Harlow could dominate, so Thornleys could dominate. Mama, tell me it's not true. Carlotta Thornley took a long sip of wine. Elsie spun to her father instead. Did you really give Harlow all that money? Enough. Papa stood, chair screeching. Gutter. The bodyguard materialized. The other servant, the one Mama had sent off, returned with a tray of flute glasses Elsie had never seen before. Lou went pale. She reached for her steak knife, but Gunnar got there first. The flute glasses glittered. Not glass, Elsie realized. Quartz. Papa handed something to Gunnar. It was the package he'd gotten from Harlow. Finally, Papa looked at his daughters for the first time all evening. You're both overwrought. It's understandable, given what you've been through. Gunnar unwrapped the package. A transparent quartz bottle rolled free. Inside, black liquid crawled up its sides, slow as molasses. Elsie recognized it. The night after the dam, when she helped Vera in the laboratory, Vera had shown it to her. Memory elixir. A spoonful can cleanse a terrible memory. A full glass, and you'll forget your own name. This is a tonic. It will settle your nerves. The sisters looked at one another, at the barricaded doors. Gunnar poured a few spoonfuls of the syrupy elixir into one glass. The maid brought it to Elsie. Gunnar spooned even more into Lou's flute. Papa folded his arms, the way he used to when waiting for them to finish eating as children. Mama shaded her forehead with one palm, eyes on her plate. But she clearly wasn't going to intervene, either. Lou tried to rise, but Gunnar clapped a heavy hand on her shoulder, forced her back into her seat. Elsie met her sister's gaze, willed herself to be right. I apologize, Papa. You're right. We're overcome from stress, and we aren't thinking clearly. We'll drink your tonic, and then Lou and I will retire to my room to recover together. Lou, Elsie said softly. All's Jake. She raised the cup to her lips and swallowed the whole dose in one go. You're listening to Elixir by Ellen Goodlett, starring Ava Mag, Keeler Lee, and Marin Miller. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, 
Listen away. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown. Elixir is written by Ellen Goodlett. It is produced by Nicole Otto and executive produced by Molly Barton. Voice direction, audio production, and original theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.